Well, good evening. Uh, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at City Reformed. I got to tell you, when I came up just that one step and I heard that bass, it, it sounded exactly like Kyle's voice. <laughs> Whereas, I mean, it was the exact, I'm like, that's Kyle in that instrument. <clears throat> uh, tonight, we are going to continue our Advent series. Uh, so... Uh, our passage is Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 through 9. And uh, my topic, assigned topic for tonight is peace, uh, with the theme of uh, the fourth Sunday. So we'll talk about peace a little bit tonight. Uh, let's pray together before we start. Our gracious God in heaven, Lord, we ask that you would be with us now. Lord, we thank you that you yourself are our peace. So we come to you. And we ask that you help to experience more in this life that which you have died for, that we might know peace. We thank you that you have brought peace between us and a God whom we were at war with. And Lord, we just praise you for that this evening. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as is our custom in the evening service, I will uh, read the passage and say this is the word of the Lord, if you can respond with thanks be to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as Pastor Matt said, we are celebrating Advent which is just a fancy old Latin word, I believe, uh, for coming or Christ's coming. Christ has come into the world, and he came in order to bring peace. And if we study throughout the scriptures, you'll see uh, uh, all throughout the scriptures, God desires peace for his people. You could go much, much further than the Psalms, but in the Psalms, you'll find it almost everywhere. An additional scripture, Psalm 29, verse 11, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The New Testament picks up that very same thing. Uh, John chapter 14, famous words, uh, also additional scriptures, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And one more, just a hidden epistle, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, also in your additional scriptures. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Clearly, God desires peace for His people. He wants peace in our hearts and in our minds and in our relationships and in our churches and in our families. That's His desire. And so if that is His desire and that is what Christ came to bring, then why is this peace sometimes so elusive? Why don't we experience more of it? Not to say we don't experience it. But have you ever asked the question, like if this is what Christ came for and this is what God desires, right, um, and I'm just not at peace right now, why is that? Or I'm not at peace in this relationship, why is that? Well, three-letter word, sin, right? Okay, underneath it all, like that's the answer for all those things. Sin, at some level, we live in a broken world that's not the way God intended So even though God desires peace and Christ came to give peace, it's not the snapping of a finger, right, in the world broadly and in our own lives, in our relationships and in our own hearts. Uh, And yet Paul, um, so even though we're not going to have perfect peace in this world, Paul is instructing clearly to the Philippians perhaps some things that will help them to have more peace. If we backed up a few verses, we can see there's a bit of a conflict in this church. It's between two ladies. I can barely pronounce their names. Probably get them wrong if I tried, but you can ask Matt after the service, and he'd be glad to do that for you. Diagram them for you on a whiteboard in the back. Oh, wait, I have to do Grill the Preacher tonight. That'll be me. But you can still ask Matt about those names. Uh, There were people in this church who didn't have peace, right? And this is, Philippians is the letter of joy, right? So here's this letter. It's known more than anything else as the letter of joy. And and Paul says, rejoice in joy. How many times you could go in and count them? That'd be a wonderful thing to do. And yet in that church, there are two people not getting along and it's causing disturbances right in the peace. So it's on the heels of that conflict that he doesn't identify until the the fourth chapter of this letter that he then gives these instructions about how to have peace, how they can have peace in that relationship and in that church. And I think these are very relevant uh, for us today, right? I think God has given us clear instructions through Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to perhaps help us when we're not experiencing the peace that God says Christ came to give us as his people. Well, our passage starts off, and because this is the letter of joy, of course, it makes sense that Paul is going to say, rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So we see rejoice twice and rejoice in the Lord. There's a lot of union with Christ's language, like we're in Him. This is the start of peace and and joy. It's just thinking about God and Christ Jesus and who He is and what He came to do. So we are to rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is at hand. Now, a little translation of those words at hand would be in midst or in your midst, okay? Uh, But interpreters often take that two ways. Some say, okay, we are to rejoice, right, in the Lord, 
um, because right, uh, Christ is at hand, he's near, meaning he's coming back soon. Is that cause for rejoicing? The Lord coming back soon. No more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more suffering, no more sickness. That's cause for rejoicing. Thinking about that kind of gives you joy, right? I mean, if our kids are excited about Christmas gifts and they're counting down the days, now we can't count down the days because no one knows, right? We don't know, but uh, wow, we as Bible-believing Christians who know what's going to happen when Christ comes back, that's a whole lot more exciting than a few presents under a tree. That's cause for great rejoicing. So you could take it that way and rejoice, right? You could also take it this way. Uh, rejoice because the Lord is in your midst by the Spirit, right? The re he, he's at hand. He's near. If you name the name of Christ, He's within you. Right? And he takes up residence in his church. Right? So we can rejoice in the Lord because he's in us right? and because he's near us and he's made precious promises to us and to his people and because he's coming back. And honestly, about every time I see one of these, uh, I never pick sides. These interpreters say this, these interpreters say that. I say, yep, well, I'm with you fellers, right? If you've ever seen, uh, what's that old movie? Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, I'm with you fellers, right? I'll take them both, right? I'll rejoice because God is in our midst. That is, he's in us um, and he's present in a special way, but also because he is coming back. So we are to rejoice and just pause and think about that. You know, there were a lot of people rejoicing over that World Cup today. You should have been upstairs, right, uh, as the youth were just rejoicing. Now, when we got up there, it was, I think it was two to nothing or just became two to one maybe. It had just become two to one, and everyone was rooting for Argentina. Okay, I don't know about you all. Everyone up there was rooting for Argentina. They wanted to see Lionel Messi, you know, get the cup, and they wanted to root against France. Um, and so everyone was rooting for Argentina, and it was like slipping away. It was slipping through their fingers, then the... Then France got another goal, like a guy from France got two goals in like 87 seconds. And they're like, no, no, no. Well, then Argentina got another goal, but then France got another goal, same guy in overtime. And uh, man, though, when, when uh, the shootout started, right, and you could see what was happening and where it was going and that if one more and it's gonna, like the, the excitement was building, right, because they, they knew what was coming and they were so excited. Folks, we know what's coming. We know what Christ is going to do when he comes back. We know if we depart and be with him to a degree what that will be like. Regardless of how much you know about that, because you can only know so much from the Bible, guess what? Spoiler alert, it's better than what you think it is. Right? <laughs> no matter how good you think it is, it's better than that. Because we can't even begin to imagine these things. Isn't that cause for rejoicing? So Paul's telling his people first and flat out, just rejoice, right? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in God and who he is. Rejoice in the things he has done. Rejoice. Maybe that will help give us peace. But Paul goes on to say more. Uh, he says next, right? So rejoice first. Next, I'm going to just summarize as pray. Verses six through seven have this to say. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul encourages these Philippians who are not at peace and in the midst of this conflict to pray. And he tells them that if they will, that the peace of God will guard, will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is a military term, and they knew something about that because this city is Philippi, which is named after Philip of Macedon, who was a military commander. And many people then who were retired Roman soldiers often went to this city to kind of retire. And so they were there all the time, right? And although, like, you know, it wasn't like the, uh, a, a, a major, major city in Rome where they kept soldiers stationed all the time, and although a lot of the ones who were there were, you know, retired and probably, you know, a little heavy, not in the kind of shape they used to be, that kind of thing, like, they're still not the people you want to pick a fight with. They're still there, right? They got weapons. They, they're, they're guarding that city. They're not letting their guard down. And Paul tells them, my prayer will help guard your mind, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, right? It, it's kind of like that, right? So he says, uh, don't be anxious. And then look at all the words just in this little section. He says to pray, right? He says supplications, right? He says thanksgiving, right? They're, all these things are uh, are. are talking about our relationship with God and us talking to Him, right? And being thankful to Him and, and asking Him and, uh, and making requests known to Him, right? Um, and, and so here's a question. Do we have the peace of God? Do you have the peace of God, right? If you don't have the peace of God, um, if, if you don't know Jesus in that way, then just a few questions for you. Um, what peace are you getting from, and this is a question for everyone, but if you don't have the peace of God at all because you don't know Jesus, what, what, what peace are you getting from all of the thinking that's causing you to not believe in Jesus? Like um, all the teachings that are contrary to the teachings of the Bible. What peace is that bringing you? What fruit is that bringing you? Because you can't really have the peace of God unless you know the God of peace. And I love that this passage kind of has those both in there. Until you know the God of peace, you, you, you cannot have the peace of God. So if you've never cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ, asked him to forgive your sins, right? uh, now's a good time right? that you can have peace, that you can stop being at war with him right? uh, because that's what the Bible says we are until we have peace. Have you ever, uh, right, raise your hand if you have small children, have had small children at any point in your life, okay. If you've had small children, you have had one in the middle of the night crying, yes, uncontrollably crying, right? Who were they crying for? Mommy? Daddy, maybe? One of those two. One of those two. Happens often for a variety of reasons. Could be a nightmare, could be a really bad, dirty diaper, could be sick, threw up all over the place, right? And they are crying uncontrollably for the person who they think can address the issue. 
Folks, when we don't have peace, our prayers and supplications and thanksgiving to God, we should learn from our little ones. We should run to our Heavenly Father with at least that level of intensity. Because oftentimes we can't solve their problems. When, When the son or daughter has that huge fever, right? Well, you can hold them. You can give them some Tylenol. You can hope that medicine kicks in, but you, you can't always solve all the problems, right? You can't give them peace from the nightmare. You can't make it disappear from their head, right? You, you can't kill the imaginary monster that's under the bed, right? You can't do those things, right? But God can do all the things, he can do all the things. He can, he can remove all the things that are keeping us from having peace. Doesn't mean he will. Are we asking him? Are we running to him? Are we praying to him? Are we putting these things before him, the things in our lives that are causing disturbances in the peace? Right? Uh, so we're told to rejoice. We're told to pray. Uh, next, we are told to, I'm just going to summarize it as meditate. And although this epistle is known as the epistle of joy, here's a little clip for you. Um, the word think occurs 10 times in this short little four-chapter epistle, um, more than any of Paul's other writings. Okay? So in this letter of joy, on the heels of there's a disturbance in the peace, he's going to talk about thinking. Maybe that means peace is related to our thought lives, the things we are thinking about, okay? Um, Because, I mean, think about how much longer Romans is, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, lots of other epistles, way longer than this one, but in this one, the epistle of joy is where he just keeps talking about thinking too, and maybe we've never noticed that. So he does it here, uh, verses 8 and 9, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So if you know the God of peace, do you have the peace of God? And if not, why? Let me ask this question. What are you filling your mind with? Now, many of us have jobs. Can you control what you fill your mind with in the job? Right? The days get busy, you're working, you're doing things, right? You're at the East Liberty Family Health Care, or uh, you're, you're laying floors, uh, you're, you're in school, you're doing whatever the things are, you're teaching, right? You're, uh, you're trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to be doing at a nonprofit because you're now in a nonprofit and child care and you're just learning and there's more than you can. You can't always control like a lot of the things that come into your mind, right? So that's about a third of the day for most of us. And then it was about a third of the day when we're sleeping, give or take, right? We can't really control a lot of what comes into our minds when we're sleeping either, right? So we got about a third of the day. And even that, you know, if you got four young kids, you can't really control a whole lot of what comes into your mind there for most of it, right? But you still get some time to yourself. When we get that time to ourselves, how are we spending it? And what are we filling our minds with? 
if you're going back and forth between Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC, you're not going to have a lot of peace. Paul says, no, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, Think about those things. Now, well, here you go. That meets all that criteria each and every time, right? So spending time there, very good thing, right? But we don't spend all of our, our every free moment that we have. Most of you, uh, myself included, we, we don't have the luxury Matt has of just sitting around in his study like eight hours every day reading the Bible, right? Because we, we know, you know, right? Uh, you, do you ever wonder what Matt does the other five days of the week? Just read. That's what he does. Pastor Jack Wilson out at New Covenant says, those hymns don't pick themselves, right? So that's what he does the other six days of the week. Now, most of us, even though that's far from what Pastor Matt does, but he does get to spend more time than the average person, right? Pastors get to spend more time than the average person in the Word, okay? Um, so all of us, right, should be spending some time in here. That's a fail-safe way. But what about those other times, right? Um, what are we thinking about? What are we putting in our minds? Our minds, right, first, terrible things to waste. Um, but secondly, they're kind of like computers, right? And the old phrase with computers is garbage in, garbage out. I know it's city reform. There's computer programmers here, right? They, they, they know C++ and Turbo Pascal and HTML and everything. They get it all, right? Um, and so our minds can very much be like that. If what we are focusing on, if the things we're spending our time in are, are just not good things, it can really steal, rob your peace. It can. Like, I mean, you can't argue with me on that one. It happens every four years, doesn't it? And I'm not talking about the Olympics or the World Cup. Like, election cycles just disturb the peace. I don't care who you are, right? Um, it happens right, every, every four years, right? But something else I think every year brings in a little more peace into most of our lives. Christmas. Christmas. Why? Do we have peace this time of year because the weather in Pittsburgh is so nice and there's so much sunshine? Do we have peace this time of year because the Steelers are always doing so well? Do we have peace this time of year because the days are so long and pleasant? We don't have peace for any of those reasons, but I, I do think most years you see a little more peace in people and in other things because why? Well. You can even turn on 94.5, and they've gone to Christmas music. And yeah, some of it's Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but there's plenty of talk of Jesus and a Savior and Emmanuel. And most of us tend to spend a little more time. More people go to church. and the, like, There's more peace because we're more connected to the God of peace. Argue with me, girl for the preacher, about that if you want. Uh, that, that's my take, right? Um, uh, so uh, joy and peace, I do think, are possible, right? Um, for the heart and mind that is saturated in Christ's grace and that is seeking after him, right? Uh, now, you could be seeking after him hard. 
and doing all these things, and maybe you don't have it, and that's ultimately up to God, but oftentimes I think maybe we don't because we just, we, we ignore these things. But here's Paul, remember, epistle of joy, um, writing from a Roman prison, most likely going to face his death. What gives him all this joy there? The things he's thinking about. The things he's meditating on, right? That's what gives him his joy. So I, I think the, what we think profoundly affects us. I've seen one more example of this. Um, and I'll share it. So when I was a senior in college... Um, uh, there were good friends and fellowship of Christian athletes at the college on the other hill, Ithaca College, and uh, Brad and Becky, right? And they were, uh, I don't want to get the story too confused, but, or get you too confused, uh, but they were sweethearts, right? And, um, and uh, um, uh, my father had very recently passed away at the time, and I recently became a Christian. I do feel God gave me a very supernatural peace through that whole thing. So I'm not trying to give you a, necessarily a, 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 a formula like that's guaranteed to work because God plays a role in this and supernaturally does things. But I'm also trying to tell you if you're not doing these things, that could be part of the reason. Um, so uh, my dad had passed away and, and uh, a bunch of people came down from Fellowship of Christian Athletes and they were there for the funeral. It was very moving. Well, um, over Christmas break, uh, Brad's siblings were in the car together. Um, and his brother um, suffered greatly uh, from bipolar disorder. This was 1999. And so his brother was in the back seat of the car, um, and he reached forward, um, and his sister was driving the car, and, and he killed her with a knife. So I went out for the funeral. Right. And here he lost his sister at the hands of his brother. And guess who was there? The girl who died. Her fiancé. And as a brand new Christian, who had just felt like I felt a supernatural work of peace in my life as my dad passed away, I saw in this man, as he ministered to people... He was like ministering to the family because they lost their daughter, they lost their sister, but he lost his fiancée. They never consummated the marriage. They never got to spend any time together. They didn't get to have any, none of that. His fiancée was killed by his future brother-in-law. And he just had a supernatural peace and joy it stuck with me all this time. So we're to rejoice, we're to pray, we're to meditate, and lastly, we are to practice, right? Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you, Emmanuel. God with us. The very... Prince of Peace. Uh, God says in Isaiah 26, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts 
in you. What a beautiful word. Paul says what you've learned, the things he taught them as an apostle, we have access to those things, don't we? Apostolic teaching, we, we, we have the whole Bible. Uh, the things you've received, I don't know if these are technical references, but I'm trying to just, what, what, what did they receive? Well, he, he gave, they, they, they've, they've received right, um, uh, much more than just his apostolic teaching. Uh, clearly, he taught them about the Old Testament as well. They've received the Old Testament scriptures, uh, the things they've heard, the gospels are floating around orally, right? Um, uh, he's saying the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, right, that Paul is practicing as he's living a gospel-centered life, he, he tells them, right, to practice those things, right? Uh, and I love that he says practice, right? Because uh, there's room for mistakes in practice, isn't there? You don't have to get it all right in practice, okay? Uh, and, and the game's not riding, like, on practice, right? I mean, it, they don't go as well if you don't practice hard, but the game, like, the, what happens in the game is not, so uh, practice, right? Practice these things, right? The things we learn and receive and hear as God's people, we are to put them into practice, right? We're to live gospel-centered lives full of joy, peace. Now, so why perhaps aren't there more uh, of those uh, uh, joy-filled, peace-filled Christians, right? Well, I, I hope you know some. I, I think we have plenty in our church, right? Who, uh, like, they're going through difficult circumstances, and they still have joy and peace, and you can see that, right? I think there are plenty out there, right? Um, uh, and some may not through no fault of their own, right? But many of us, if we don't have the joy and peace that God has really given to us in Christ, it could be because of some of these things. It could be because like, we're not rejoicing and pausing to think about who God is and what we have and what Christ came to do and what he's coming back to do and how near he is to his people. He's in our hearts. Right? Old Testament saints, like one of them got to go into the most holy place once a year where God dwelled, right? And, and we carry him around with us. So maybe we don't pause and right, really just rejoice in that. Maybe we don't spend the time. I mean, no, no one in this room spends as much time in prayer as they want to. I know that, right? But maybe we just don't really hardly spend any time at all, okay? cultivating the relationship with our Heavenly Father and speaking to Him, right? It really could have to do with it, right? Or maybe the things we're thinking about or not thinking about are causing us really to just not have the peace that God would, would have for us. Or it could be, you know, maybe we're just not putting those things into practice, right? But here we are. God's given us His Word, most of us, by God's grace, are going to go to sleep tonight, and we're going to wake up tomorrow, right? With air in our lungs, uh, and it's a new day, and it's another opportunity to seek His face, right? And to ask Him to give us the peace, right, that you desire for us, and help me to do the things and stop doing the things that are keeping me from having uh, this peace that you so long for your people to have, Christ is our peace, and he has come to bring us peace. So we can rejoice 
in him because he's near and he's coming back. We can pray to him and uh, the, the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds. We can think his thoughts after him, right? And think about things that are true and good and lovely and pure and commendable and, and that entire uh, verse 8. And we can try by the grace of God to put them into practice. And scripture says the God of peace will be with us. It's a beautiful thing. Christ has come to bring us peace. So let us dwell on the Lord that his peace might dwell richly in us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank.